When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Como estas? Como estas? Me gustas mas? Oh boy. Okay. Uh, how are you? I'm good. That's uh, that's uh, the Spanish version of Mickey by the uh, great Tony Basil. Mm-hmm. Is it Basil? Basil. Sure. Do you remember that music video? Yes. Where she's... She's uh, put herself to in the best light possible. <laughs> Ooh, rough start. Okay. <clears throat> what? No, for me. Uh, so my girl, Janet Jackson, announced a tour, the Together Again tour. Uh, Ludacris is opening for her. Luda. Which is interesting. <laughs> the last few tours, she didn't have an opening act. And I don't know that Ludacris... Uh, adds much i do i do really like a couple of his songs but i do like some ludicrous songs uh i'm sure it'll be fine yeah i don't need to see him in concert if if it starts on time i'm fine so if the show starts at eight and he goes on at eight and she comes on at nine great Mm -hmm. but yeah i don't want to wait 45 minutes for the show to start okay paula cole and then sit through 45 minutes of him rambling on but I have my tickets. She's performing at the Hollywood Bowl opening night of the season. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And a few dates sold out like the day of the pre-sale. So like additional dates were added. And there's new music. And Janet said there will be new music. Not a new album. Not, well, who knows? <sighs> Moving on. Like just these random new tracks without a without like an album to tie to. To me, it seems so much like, oh, I did half the assignment. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't. I dabbled. Did you read about Henry Cavill not being Superman? I read about him potentially being an Avatar four. Well, he posted that because when he, for people who didn't watch Black Adam, the bonus scene or the post credit scene for that movie is that. Henry Cavill reprises his role as oh, Superman. That's right. I already forgot about that. And then movie. he announced that he's coming back to do a second or an, another Superman movie. Uh-huh. But then the people in charge of that made him say that he's not doing it. Oh. And he also left. He, he had the also. Witcher. The Witcher, I think, because he thought he was going to do a new Superman. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of weird that he's not going to be going to be Superman because I feel like people would like that. I don't know. He's pretty boring. Do people really like him? I think Superman's, like all of those things, just an institution unto itself, and doesn't matter who's playing it, really. Well, they've decided to go with another person. Who? Uh, I I don't remember now. <laughs> but anyway, I guess they needed to choose someone younger since they're planning on doing more Supermans. Oh, God. So, his, so Henry Cavill's reign is over. This is why we just need, I mean, culturally, we need to turn our back on this shit by not buying movie tickets because it is ridiculous and mind numbing. But I was uh, this morning, I watched like a 
like 2020 did like an episode focusing on like behind the scenes of Avatar The Way of Water. Mm -hmm. And there were a few interesting things in there. Um, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I mean, what a production. Yeah. But the thing that really threw me off, because I think the the kids those characters are pretty poorly done in the movie okay i'm they didn't their dialogue's kind of whack i mean they definitely play a significant role in the plot but i don't think that there's anything spectacular about any of the kids except that one of them is voiced by sigourney weaver but you didn't watch this part of the special but like the casting person said that they received over fifteen thousand submissions for the roles of the children mm -hmm. and that they auditioned over 4600 they auditioned 4600 kids yeah i believe it and that's what we got a bunch of kids saying bro like wow. i don't understand why they needed to interview 4600 people to get what we got like it just seems stupid and, like, and then one of the girls that who was cast doesn't like being in the water like mm -hmm. so why'd you pick her and she was like unknown it didn't to to me it's just like this movie is such a big production for why i don't know it, it just doesn't translate to me like it, it obviously took a lot of work to do the visuals but the acting and the script to me are so like mediocre there's always something that suffers based on who's in charge and what their passion really is james cameron's passion is not writing and then the littlest kid the little girl did you know that was a girl in the movie? Yeah, they say it a couple times. Oh, I thought that I was a little boy. No. So when they show the girl actor voicing it, I was surprised. <laughs> no, because they say, like, where are your sisters? I have your girls. Oh, I, it was so... I I don't know. I, I, I didn't think those characters were very well done. Except for... I mean, the only one who's interesting is the one Sigourney's voicing. But mainly because that character doesn't seem like a kid. It seems like an adult. Well, in the, but it's, it's baked into that character as being this... this you know, as they call it, the, the terminology used in the film is a half breed. Uh, and, uh, you know, as I said, a creature of unknown origin. I think there are interesting things to play with. Uh, sure. Like, I would definitely recommend seeing the movie in a theater and paying money. But um, it, also. It, but it's, you know, it's long. It, it I, is long. I don't know. The I didn't realize Avatar 3 comes out in 2024. Ugh. So. Finally, I thought it was interesting watching Kate Winslet mm -hmm. in the documentary special. She seems like a handful. Yeah, <laughs> she seems difficult because basically, the 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 way it's played out, and even James Cameron talking about Kate Winslet is almost like she was like the assistant director. Yeah. <laughs> She seems very bossy. Yes. Uh, well, you know, she's, I do really like Kate Winslet, love Mare of Easttown. I love, you know, most of her performance that, that I've seen. I will watch something for her. Uh, you know, she shouldn't have been an English speaking Nazi in the reader, but uh, oh. <laughs> what do I know? Uh, but I remember reading an interview with her, I think out of Sundance or something, probably almost a decade ago now but even just listening to her responses in the interview i'm like oh my god she seemed a little out of touch talking about how whoever her current husband is and the child they have who they named bear and his middle name is fire or something oh. bizarre because they had to commemorate how they met at this hotel where there was a fire i don't know i'm very sketchy on the details of all that but i just remember thinking like oh my god this is why I, I don't want to know more about people's private lives and what they think sometimes because it's a uh, letdown. Well, moving on. So we received a question uh, relating to a video that was on 
TikTok, I believe. It's about a woman. Or so the video shows a young woman. It's a story. A lovely lady. <laughs> she's probably like in her early. I mean, she's definitely in her early twenties, uh, if not younger. She has beautiful features, uh, but her skin is in pretty bad shape. She has a lot of scarring, like on her forehead, and her hairline is pushed very far back. It looks like she maybe has like tension alopecia from wearing braids or weaves. So she looks rough without makeup. And then we see her put on like a full face, and then put on a wig, and she looks like a 10. Mm -hmm. So then the question was, is this catfishing? And you also watched the video. I think my answer is to me, catfishing is digital only. Like someone's presenting a persona, whether it's physical or like the actual person, because people lie about, people will show their real faces, but then lie about their relationship status, their finances, their career, right? Their body, yeah. Right. So it, so it's not just whether they're attractive or not. People lie about a lot of things, but I think it's digital. So like I haven't met you and you're presenting yourself in a way that isn't true. That you couldn't deliver. And then you can't deliver mm. in person. To me, that's what catfishing means. What this young lady's doing. She can deliver that in person. She can, yeah. If, if, if you saw her online and you offered to take her on a date, she would show up looking like that. So, but I mean, the, the question is the, the, the conversation is much broader than because we're talking anytime you put out anything to create a facade, whether it's makeup, I think it could, that argument extends to clothing. Uh, we're all doing a, a little bit of that. Right. So to answer the question, I don't think that's catfishing, but then I think it, it's a separate issue that, that is sort of, it is complicated because I think for the individual and I don't know what this young lady, maybe she's a makeup and hair artist and she was just demonstrating her skills in which she has many and people should hire her. But if she was showing like, hey guys, this is me getting ready to go out tonight. Then I think there are a few issues because I... It's Cinderella syndrome. It's like at midnight, you're going to turn back into a pumpkin and... People, I we got comments yesterday because in our live video for Mysterious Skin, I mentioned a roommate of mine and someone commented like, I hope this roommate doesn't listen to you talk. But I actually have, when I talk about roommates, there are actually like four of them that I've had that I kind of, if they were listening, they would know that I'm talking about them. But mm -hmm. um, yeah. It, their, it, their name, birthday, and social security number. Have right? been protected for their privacy. No. Um, so I had a roommate who out of drag like like how he looked was like that guy from rocky horror picture show the one who opens the door Cashmaster. what's his name um yeah the butler uh mm -hmm. he looked like that like balding but grew his hair long on the sides because he'd wear a hat and then he would wear so he looked like that but then when he would go out he would wear a girdle. He would wear like underwear that made his butt look big. He got like tan. Oh, riffraff. Riffraff. He looked like a riffraff. But then at night at the gay bar, he actually looked pretty good. And he wore like colored contacts. So notably riffraff played by Richard O'Brien wrote the music for Rocky Horror. Oh, by the way. So I think there are a few issues because the individual like him or like this young lady, if she's doing this to like, that's how she wants to present to the world. I, I, I feel concerned for like their own self worth worth mm -hmm. like, and then also it must be very hard to feel like you have to 
like 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 this is how you must present to the world yeah but i think as gay men we very much know how that feels yeah i mean to a yeah some people for me it's like i mean i the look pressure like, the the expectation yeah but 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 to succumb to that is different right like yes. i feel a lot of pressure to look a certain way but it's not going to happen so for many years now i've just been comfortable with this is how i look i'm never going to be xyz but then there are people who actually try to pursue that mm -hmm. and for a lot of gay men that's very specific to their bodies yes and for a lot of women it's like they cannot leave the house without a full face of makeup and their hair being done mm -hmm. and i just think like that seems like a that just seems like a monkey i'd want to get off my back yeah 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 well because what's the reward getting this attention from you know really people that end up being disappointments themselves and or straight up assholes or who cares what they think it's getting to you know i think that's the the point of self-actualization to get to is where you're like oh i'm fine with myself and if you don't like it i don't give a fuck well the other part of what i was going to say is if you're the person drawn to people like this then it's like i hope you're attuned to the i mean the the, the fact that what you're drawn to is an avatar of the person yes it is like it is a facade yeah, yeah. So, you know, if I'm thinking about like straight guys who like these girls who look like Instagram filters, who mm -hmm. look like, because you see them. I mean, I see them out and about. Like, you see these guys hold arm, arm in arm with these girls who look like, you know, they have the full face of makeup, a wig, they have the BBLs and the waist cinchers. I mean, they look like something out of a, yeah, like an Instagram filter walking around the grove. <laughs> In well, broad daylight, you know, the, the, looking I mean, crazy. It, uh, like, and these men like that. My, so it's... What my grandma used to say, the, or in women of her generation, be like, oh, I have to go put my face on. <laughs> like... Which is no different. So, But I'm talking about the people who like that. Like mm -hmm. they want their significant other to look like that. To me, it's like, okay, so you're signing up for, you know, this person cannot function without their body armor on. And that's a process. Which is drag we 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 have sold a story to women that their persona is is they're they're doing drag i dated someone who required a very long time to get ready and it for, for and it amounted to nothing like they didn't look that much different and that shit was annoying it was just annoying because it, it it wasn't like how i'm slow getting ready because i'm just slow well you yeah you are mm -hmm. but i don't need to do anything i can get up in the morning like this morning i got up put on clothes like literally just put on the clothes that i threw on the side of the bed and went to the grocery store to get stuff i need we're referencing that uh, again because that's a rarity but yes i can get ready very quickly mm -hmm. it, i mean i i will literally just leave the house without doing anything so it is possible mm -hmm. but you know, in most cases, I don't need to get ready quickly. So I don't. But sure. I think that's different from like, I'm not leaving the house yes. until I do my hour 45 minute routine. That seems like a disability. Because it is a little bit. So that was a lot of talking about this one video. But yeah, I, I think that people should feel comfortable with how they look. And I guess do whatever you need to do. Like I support cosmetic surgery and I support hair pieces and makeup and do whatever makes you feel comfortable. But there are a lot of things that get attached to that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that. Well, and, most... also, and also realizing that anything, no matter what realm it is, it really moderation, moderation. The other thing is that key. if you present yourself in your most natural form and you find people who are drawn to that, that's the ideal situation. Yeah. 
that's like the least amount of friction, the least amount of effort, the maximum. Well, because yield. You know, we all give our personality a facelift when we first meet people because we want them to think, you know, all of the best that we have the best of everything uh, in our attitudes. And in reality, we all have bear the scars of, you know, not to be dramatic, but this just the psychological trauma of being human, whether you had loving parents or not, or anything like you, you, you went through something growing up, whether it was because of who you were raised with or by, or the environment that you were stuck in, uh, you know, you know, I'm thinking school related bullshit or just the world presenting, uh, uh, this fake narrative to you of what things are supposed to be or like, and you know, we just all, as we get into our second lives beyond adolescence, I think we just don't, we aren't even aware of kind of those things we have to mine ourselves. And so, yes, meeting people and trying to present yourself in a certain way, you, you may not even know the extent of how great your lie is about you as a person. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. We need to move on. Sorry to this man section. Oh, God. Uh, we didn't what give a score up. to Mysterious Skin in our review. <laughs> oh well, it's on it's on my letterbox, baby. Yeah, don't forget Nick's. Uh, Nick has completed all of his entries in his letterbox. So for people asking, like, what is he given a five to? What are the worst? Um, it's very easily uh, ascertained from his letterbox. Mm. But what did you give Mysterious Skin? Four. I gave it three and a half out of five. I think it's very good. Okay, films released we didn't cover. Something called The Apology. The Apology. This sounds like something you would like, but it's directed by Allison Locke. Uh, it's in theaters on Shutter, starring Anna. What's her name from Breaking Bad? Anna. Anna Gunn. Uh, Twenty years after the disappearance of her daughter, a recovering alcoholic is preparing to host her family's Christmas celebration when her estranged ex-brother-in-law arrives unannounced, bearing nostalgic gifts and a heavy secret. Well, you know why I would like a story like this. Biggie pudding. Because I want to know what the secret is. Yeah, yeah. So then I would just read the Wikipedia entry. Okay. Well, <laughs> we would have. No, I would have watched it, but I, I think stories like this where they're presented this way are like very appealing to I, me. I would have watched that. Because I want to know what the secret is. Sure. Um, something called High Heat. Oh, my God. All you have to do is look at the poster for this, which I got so many emails about reviewing this. I'm like, oh, God, no. Uh, it's directed by someone named Zach Golden, and it stars Olga Kirilenko and Don Johnson. Uh, when the local mafia shows up to burn down her restaurant, Anna, a chef with a meticulous past, defends her turf and proves her knife skills both in and out of the kitchen. Which so, makes me think of Long Kiss Goodnight in that vegetable shopping machine. There's also a TV series called High Heat. And look at this poster for Isn't that. Isn't it Spanish? And it's about very hunky, I guess these are Spanish, like firefighters. Mm -hmm. So don't confuse this with. Olga, Don Johnson and Olga. Kirilenko. Because <laughs> that poster looks like, okay. Oh, yeah, that looks crunchy next something called jurassic punk a documentary about uh a pioneer in computer animation named steve spaz williams who uh apparently his digital dinosaurs were uh, the uh, impetus for jurassic park back in 93 uh, but apparently he had an appetite for anarchy and reckless disregard for authority um, that maybe have has undermined his career. I don't know about this person, but I'm sure that's entertaining. It's directed by Scott Leberecht. All right, something called Lullaby. John R. Leonetti, uh, who is, I believe, a cinematographer first. I think he shot The Conjuring. Uh, he directed the first Annabelle film, and he has a new film called Lullaby, where uh, a mother discovers 
what she believes to be a lullaby is actually a curse for her baby starring una chaplin uh nelly and nadine i had asked you if you wanted to review this and you didn't respond to me but it's a documentary about a love story between two women who fall in love on christmas eve 1944 in the ravensbrook concentration camp lastly the super eight years i reviewed this out of can this past year in the director's fortnight uh, directed by annie erno and her son david erno brio uh annie erno is best known as a very famous author she wrote happening uh, which you saw the abortion drama that won Venice last year uh, based on her own experiences procuring an abortion in the 60s. Uh, so it's it's about a period of her life looking through uh, family photographs and footage of family vacations and kind of trying to contextualize her life uh, and, and with a much, even with a broader scope in mind. But I thought it was fascinating and very interesting. Okay, movies watched for fun. You watched Wendell and Wilde. Yes, because this I voted last sunday which took what was that six or seven hours for the los angeles film critics association uh, uh but i was trying to catch up on a lot of animated films and documentaries i've missed out on uh over the past year but i watched you were in the room for part of it wendell and mm-hmm. wild uh harry selick uh very bizarre it was a very bizarre cartoon and i did enjoy it overall but uh boy it's doing a lot something called descendant Descendant, I thought, was really interesting, especially considering this is the week I finished reading Kindred by Octavia E. Butler. Uh, There was something else that I thought worked thematically in life. Uh, But it is directed by Margaret Brown, and it is about the last descendants of this, the last slave ship that came to the U.S. uh, in, what was it called, the Clotilda? And basically how this excavation, they finally found the ruins of it. And that provided evidence of this crime that happened because at the time this happened, because slave uh, trafficking was actually outlawed decades before it was actually done. Uh, so because they found this boat and through, uh, you know, DNA there, there's this, uh, because of the evidence that's found there, uh, it's evidence that a crime has happened and then reparations are possible. Right. So that's kind of where this documentary is headed in people discussing that. You watched Fire of Love? Yeah, about this two, these two volcanologists that were in love. Oh, that's right. Uh, that died. Because I kept, you said it twice and I thought you meant like Star Trek. No. <laughs> you mean volcano. Volcanoes, yeah. yeah. Uh, who were actually kind of uh, notable in the zeitgeist. They were interviewed all over the place in the 60s and 70s. And then, of course, I think in 91, they got too close to... Uh, an eruption and died. Oh. That's directed by Sarah Dosa. But they, I want to know about that story. They were meticulous uh, and had a lot of footage, uh, a lot of things written down that that this documentarian was able to kind of sift through. And is narrated uh, by Miranda July. Next, The Quiet Girl. Uh, an Irish film that was a runaway success back home and has gotten a decent amount of uh, festival play and attention because Neon bought it. I think it won an award out of. Uh, I'm forgetting the, the in you know at the Berlin Film Festival. One of their sidebars is for like Generation K. But like they have like a section about films dealing with adolescents and children. And I think an award. I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but Generation K plus or something. Bad. Acts. But the Quiet oh. Girl, directed by Colm. I'm going to say Sorry. his name wrong. Yeah, you're not listening to me. Uh, Colm Colm Byreed, who's worked in television for a long time. 
uh, a very quiet story that I thought was quite moving. Okay, next, Bad Axe. Uh, directed by David Siv. Basically, during the pandemic, he, he documented his family's experiences living in small town Michigan with in a town called Bad Axe, dealing with kind of uh, the ha- the hatred towards Asian Americans because of Trump's rhetoric uh, about where COVID came from and, and also just living in this very uh, red state uh, during the civil unrest after George Floyd's murder and his family's responses to that. I thought it was interesting, but I also, I don't like the word triggered, but it was just like, I don't want to go back to this. I don't want to go back to 2020 in my mind. I don't, I want more space away from it. Uh, but it's, it's interesting. It also feels like a very personal documentary that I don't know. And it touches on some very important subjects from this family's perspective from a cultural perspective but i don't know i i, I was constantly i constantly felt like i was being manipulated too though mm. next you watch the music lovers yes you know ken russell is a favorite of mine and i had never seen this uh about tchaikovsky who was gay and married this woman who he'd only corresponded with through letters and she's basically a nymphomaniac and he can never please her. Uh, and they both, uh, lead themselves to a sense of ruin. There was a film, uh, directed by Kirill Serebrenikov at Cannes this past year, also trying to recuperate what it was like for this woman, Tchaikovsky's wife, uh, and Glenda Jackson and Richard Chamberlain are the two lovers in the Ken Russell film. And I'd like, you know, Richard Chamberlain is interesting because I don't, I don't know what year he finally admitted he was gay. So it's very, there's some meta things going on there with uh, Mr. Chamberlain in this film, Uh, but it's very sexual, very bombastic. And of course, all the critics hated at the time. Like, how can you make a biopic about Tchaikovsky and then ruin uh, what his his impact by something so vulgar, which of course I love. Uh, But I was watching in preparation for uh, an upcoming article. Summer with Monica. Uh, same thing with this is a Ingmar Bergman film from 53, I think, that I'd never seen uh, about young love ruined by uh, the realities of what marriage does when you're not in love. Uh, young Harriet Anderson, who you just saw as the sister that died and cries and whispers. Uh, I'd never seen this before, and I also thought it was quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. You watched Puss in Boots? Yes, for in preparation for... Uh, the sequel, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which opens next Wednesday. It was entertaining enough. It is also doing a lot and collapsing a lot of fairy tales in ways that I thought were kind of unnecessary. But uh, and Antonio Banderas is fun to listen to. I rewatched Prisoners, that movie with Hugh Jackman. and Because it was number one on Netflix? Yeah. And that story upsets me so much because I have this really... I, I, I really... This idea of like revenge and vengeance really bothers me. And like, I think because I've listened to every episode of Dateline, like that's the narrative for so many quote unquote victims. And I just, I could go on and on for hours about it, but I, it's such an interesting movie. I don't think it's the best movie. I really don't like Hugh Jackman's performance. I remember thinking it was very overblown. Um, at the time I saw, cause I saw it in Toronto in 2013. For some reason I liked Jake Gyllenhaal in it. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Yeah. But, and 
just like even how the other parents, uh, Viola Davis and Terrence Howard, how they allow Hugh Jackman, because the basic story is those two couples, their their two daughters get kidnapped mm-hmm. and they believe it's this guy who everyone knows to have like, like maybe he's developmentally delayed. Paul Dano. Yeah. And Jake Gyllenhaal's the detective. Hugh Jackman kidnaps D- Dano mm-hmm. and like tortures him to try to get information. And in the end, they find out that he may have had something to do with it, but the the, the girls are recovered. It's his mother who M- Melissa Leo, yeah, mm-hmm. who took the kids. Um, but you know, of course, he's kind of responsible. And then some other guy gets pulled into it, who ends up killing himself in the police station. Blah blah blah. But I think it's a great conversation piece. Sure, I remember um, that Denis Villeneuve did that, and another Jake Gyllenhaal film I liked a lot more the same year called Enemy. We have one minute. Uh, we watched a movie called Collide, which will certainly be on my, oh my. 10 worst list of 2022. Oh, my God. But it stars Jim Gaffigan, Ryan Phillippe, and Kat Graham. Mm-hmm. And this shit is terrible. It's on Hulu. Um, I remember <laughs> when it came out, I asked for a screener, and I was told no. And now I know why. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I will take a break on that. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, so projects of Oh, interest. no, I wanted to say, though, that Collide was so bad, it besmirches the Leona Lewis song. Ugh, it was so bad, I couldn't even, I didn't even think about her until you said it. It's so distracting. I kept, in my head, I couldn't stop thinking about Collide. Ugh, just the writing, the cinematography. I mean, the screenplays were, because I, I never saw Crash, but you referenced Crash. Well, you've seen Cronenberg's crash. Oh, no, sorry. The one... The Paul Haggis crash. That's the one I'm referring to. Yeah. Isn't that a similar story where... Yes. Well, there are a lot of movies like that. There's one with Sigourney Weaver that's like that, where multiple vantage point... Oh, yes. Yeah. This is very basic, though. It's just... Oh, my God. The way these characters converge is, like, pointless. Well, that was a very (laughs) popular... uh, What's what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not rhetoric, a, a very popular device, yeah. a storytelling device at one point. And I think Crash winning Best Picture over Brokeback Mountain uh, certainly helped that because you saw a lot of things like that in the mid-2000s. Ugh, but th- I, th- this felt like a throwback to that. And it's fucking Jim Gaffigan has a Stradivarius in his car. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Ryan Phillippe plays like He's, a like the son of... Uh, <laughs> my God. The Is son he, of a racist who who killed Kat Graham's dad and she's got him there on a blind date. She has a bomb, a weight sensitive bomb. Underneath and, and, his and, chair. and there's a moment when she's trying to show Ryan Phillippe's character, like that her life isn't as great as he thinks. And she takes off a fake foot. She should take another wig. Oh, uh, th- it was egregiously terrible. There's this white boy trying to be like th- a thug with yep. face tattoos. That is cringe, cringe, cringy. But anyway, moving on to projects of interest. <laughs> we found a we found a bag of coke, and now we're gonna use it to to re. 
to restart our lives. It's like you're a dishwasher and a waiter. In There's LA. a see. I can't stop talking about the stupid movie. There's a character in the film, like this couple who both work in a restaurant mm -hmm. as a server and like a like a kitchen staff person at a restaurant called Collide. Oh, it's so stupid. And we find out that they found some cocaine. Yeah, and they're going to sell it and run away like like run away like a stranger with candy and we subplot. find out that the money they're going to get is like a hundred thousand mm -hmm. that's not enough in 2022 to run away anywhere so i don't know where these two fools and, think and she's just discovered she's pregnant and they're hiding it in the in the in the seafood <laughs> the free freezer and there's about to be inventory at the freezer because somebody's been stealing because the restaurant manager has been stealing from the restaurant it's like oh what they're like they're gonna find the coke okay we need to stop Anyway. Projects of interest, something called 6888. Uh, Tyler Perry is doing a period piece about a battalion of black women during World War II that had to sort the mail. I have zero faith in his ability to... I do too, with Jasmine's Blues uh, recently under his belt. I think... So Netflix is letting him do this because, well, he's signed a deal and clearly people will watch his movies, but he is not qualified. He's not qualified. At the best, we can hope that we will get some grade A uh, actors in there because... It's, it's not happening. No, he can, you know, he can get no, like a Felicia Rashad or... But it know. still won't be a good movie. No, but sometimes sometimes the uh, an actor can elevate... Uh, I, I do believe it. And sometimes that I'm borderline saying, I mean, I'm very close to thinking like we should just boycott Tyler Perry. Not going to happen. Especially now that he's the godfather of uh, Harry and Meghan's kid. Ugh. Anyway, uh, something about Marianne Michael Rosick. Marianne is a Marianne. new project directed by Michael Rosick, who is a former journalist uh, for such publications as Esquire and Rolling Stone. And he created a one woman show for Isabelle Huppert. Uh, which I actually have been aware of for some time. And uh, it was recently announced at the deadline. And I think it's finished filming, but I've known about this for like three years. Uh, but it's her first time one character project. It's described as a complete tour de force for one of the greatest actresses in the history of film, but also in its breakthrough form, a zeitgeist movie meant to exactly capture the moment we are all living in, which sounds insane, but I am here for it. Okay, unfortunately, there are entries in the obituary section. Mm -hmm. uh, Georgia Holt shares Mama Died. Oh, that's right. I didn't know that. Yeah, she, she was, was 96. Okay. So she lived a long life, and I'm sure she's very proud of her. Well, at least her one child. I don't know about the other ones. I don't know how many kids she has. Um, then uh, you listed someone named Angelo Badalamenti. Badalamenti. Someone named Angelo Badalamenti, who has created some of the best scores on film ever including the twin peak score Ooh. uh which you are familiar with uh, he was 85 but yes huge fan of this man's work but he's dead and then of course steven twitch boss yeah that's a depressing died story last week people know him as like the dj that was on the ellen degeneres show i guess you could call him a co-host too um yeah he shot and killed himself in a hotel room in the valley. Uh, I think I wanted to say that all of the people posting about him, particularly celebrities, like everyone's posting about like how he was always so happy and positive and, you know, like you never know. It's true. Well, that's true. You never know. But and what I related to as someone who is very morbid is I think oftentimes people like, 
I don't like being told that I seem okay or I seem fine. And it's like, yeah, because I'm like a sophisticated person who can like fucking get through the day and not, well, it's just sometimes it's like, well, you don't seem depressed. You you seem okay. It's like, well, I'm not, I'm just like, I, I'm professional. So I have to get through my work day and I have obligations outside of work that I'm going to try to get through with, you know, some like being mildly pleasant, but that doesn't mean everything's okay. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, I mean, has anyone ever heard of a damn clown? Like, I mean, that's right. Like a comedian or a comedian, like b- b- people learn how to put up a, a facade just to get through life because it's easier. It's easier to be affable and friendly and joke around than to be confronted constantly with like, you don't seem okay. You don't right. seem okay. Right. And I'm very well aware of that. So I'm very good, you know, doing that outside of my home, like seeming like I'm fine. Cause I don't want to hear anyone try to encourage me or give me positive words. And so I just think like, yeah, obviously we never know how people are feeling, but you know, as someone who is very morbid, I just feel like, I don't know. Sometimes people get to a point where they feel like they can't go on. And I don't know why everyone thinks that, it just seems so selfish. Like, so you want this person to keep living, even though they were at a point where they felt like they couldn't. And what the fuck are you going to do for them? If he's having financial, are you, are, you, are you going to pay his bills? Are you going to raise his kids? Are you going to find a new husband for his wife because he can't stand her? Whatever the case may be. It's like people are going through shit and they're in pain and they, and they can't go on. And I just think it's so annoying again because i'm a very morbid person that people want to like fight for your life it's like but i don't want to live like why are you fighting for my life it is like i don't and then also because i don't believe that there's anything after i die i believe that when i die it's the same as before i was born nothing if i kill myself i'm not gonna know i'm not gonna know anything about anything so at the end of the day it doesn't matter when i die or how i die what it affects are the people who are still living And I think if you do care about that, then that would be a reason to hold on. Like that would be a reason I haven't blown my brains out is because I care about the people who are living and how that would affect them. And I also want to continue to live at this moment, Mm -hmm. but you know, I think it's more complicated than that. And then when things like this happen, people get on. I agree. It's more complicated, but you're also using a very superficial medium platform to try to convey something that is meaningful and it's, that's impossible to do too. And and also to convey meaning for somebody that, you know, these people didn't, in most cases, didn't know. Well, I think it's a good point about the superficiality of the platforms that we're seeing these mess- th- this messaging on, because I think it's like, for someone who's in pain, for someone who's considering ending their life, they need more than a drive-by word of encouragement. Thoughts and prayers. I don't need your thoughts and prayers. Like, I need someone to sit with me in silence and help me get back to a place where I feel alive. You know, I like, I need time. I need investment. Like I, I need more than just like, don't do it. Your life means more than that. You know, like you're going to go to hell if you kill it, like calm down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is not helpful. And it, and I would love to know how many people, because I'm sure many, many, many people out there have had suicidal ideations they may have had a plan they may have actually attempted it and whatever stopped them from doing it 
because if you attempted and you don't die, then obviously there was some sort of medical intervention, probably. But for the people who had or ideation- it was or it was a cry for help. Right. You know. But for people who had ideations and a plan and didn't execute that plan, it's like, well, what what pulled you out of that? And for me, it certainly wasn't someone on Instagram saying like it gets better. Like, I mean, it's sure. just, no. I not not that those words have zero meaning. I think if we can all adopt this idea of like being more kind and caring and understanding, that would benefit everyone. But I think it's just interesting. Well, I think yeah. Again, I think it's about just listening and, feel- and not and not maybe sometimes feedback isn't needed either. It's just listening. Yes. Which is, you know, this uh, coming from someone like me, this probably sounds very basic, but I always, always think about the book Tuesdays with Maury. Oh my God. <laughs> By Mitch Album. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look I, at your... Well, because that, that is one book that really affected me because I thought that that's exactly how I think we should handle people who are struggling or grieving. Is like, I don't, I don't want you to tell me anything. Just be there. Like, just, I don't have a lot of people in my life and and so I haven't had to do this. I mean, I've, I've well, I'm not even going to tell these stories, but you know, if I knew someone were in pain and needed help, my first thought would be like, I would just need to go sit with them in silence and just be present. And I think for me, that would be helpful. Like if I were ever at a very critical point, it's like, yeah, I don't want your thoughts and prayers. Come over and like fucking clean my kitchen and just be there and don't say shit to me and just let me know that like, there's good energy around me and like so i don't know i i don't want to minimize people's kind words for this person who took his own life but i just don't think that it's it's too little too late this person at that point when they went to that front desk and got that room key you know like (laughs) well and also the method i mean there's (sighs) when i'm feeling my most down what probably triggers me the most is when people say like you seem okay or like I get feedback, like "Oh, you're so funny," or well, well, you are funny. But it, but that has nothing to do with like no, how I it's, feel. It's sure. like I've just learned how to be professional and like socially appropriate. And so when I'm in public, I try to be vibrant and you know. But that shit takes energy. Yeah. And then when I'm by myself, exhausting. I just start to wallow in all the bad thoughts. It's like, yeah. So. I, I would say Twitch is a good example of someone who was able to mask mm-hmm. whatever he was dealing with. And that shit got to a point that was way past whatever cute little meme you think you're going to send someone to brighten their day. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> people post dark shit online and then it's like, I never know how to respond and I don't, but it's like, oh, that's that's a sign. Something's not okay. But I don't know you like that. You know, that's the other thing. I don't, yeah. I don't have... Well, it's, you know, it's exhausting also to listen to somebody. It is. It's exhausting to take on someone's baggage, even temporarily. It's exhausting. So, you you know, you have to protect yourself, too. Like, if you're not That's in a, right. if you're not in a headspace to be able to offer that kind of sucre, you know, don't. <laughs> if a stranger approached me in, like, critical condition, like, mentally and needed some assistance, I would do what I could, what was appropriate. Because I also may not be in a space, like you said, that, but... I think cries for help. That'd be my other advice for people out there on the verge. Like your cries for help may go unheard because it's Mm -hmm. like you may have created a world for yourself. A lot of people are very lonely and don't have a support system, even though they present like they are 
very popular and social. Uh, most people, I know. Most yeah. people. <laughs> so when you put out those cries for help, you're you're calling out to people who are not that invested in you. Yeah. And you're not going to get the attention you need. You're going to get thoughts and prayers. You're yeah. You're going to get very superficial shit. You're going to get like heart emojis mm -hmm. and like so. I don't know. No, I need you to come over here and scrape me off my floor and give me some fucking ice cream. Yeah, make me something to eat and don't <laughs> yeah. say shit to me and just be here. Vacuum my floor, clean the cat's litter box. Like, do something for me. Help me realize that I have a life. And but 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 I don't know. I also feel like if a person gets to the point where, you know, probably tip number three is if you need someone to talk you out of suicide, don't call me because I feel like. If you get to a point, it's just like, well, I don't know. Is your life worth living? I don't know. But I feel um, obviously bad for the people who are left with, like, his his wife and his kids. I mean, mm -hmm. that's devastating, right? Mm -hmm. But, okay, moving on to something much lighter. Oh, God. So we have a friend who... We do have a friend. We have a friend who really, really loves the Spice Girls. <laughs> yes. Which I always, when I think of this friend and uh, his love for Spice Girls, I always feel bad because there's a finite number of things that, uh, of products they put Yeah, on. their portfolio yeah. is kind of small. But so to Ernesto, don't, uh, <laughs> this would be the time when you can turn off the podcast. Never give up. <laughs> never surrender. Never give up. No, I'm, I'm not going to shit on Spice World, but our secret movie was Spice World. Oh, we're not shitting on Spice World? Well, I'm going to speak my truth, but I don't think it's like, the worst movie ever. It definitely made. is. I've seen infinitely worse films, but um yeah, so it's not. And overall, I think that this movie about a very popular girl group in the 90s that was pretty fluffy, the movie feels very appropriate. It feels like they're pretty aware, but they're also, you know, really modeling themselves hard after the Beatles doc, A Hard Day's Night. The other well, thing doc film. Well, here, first, so Spice World, the 1997 film about the Spice Girls, which we all know is a very popular British girl group. Um, it was directed by Bob Spears. Yep. Do you know Bob Spears' work? Yeah, he directed quite a few episodes of Absolutely Fabulous, uh, Saunders and French. So that's why Jennifer Saunders makes a cameo in this and apparently she convinced him to do this film because he didn't know who the Spice Girls were when he was offered. He 97 was a big year for him. He also, uh, right before Spice World, shot and released That Darn Cat, which was with Christina Ricci and Dougie Doug, I think based on that old, was it a 60s television series? Mm. Um, I remember the posters for that in my elementary school. <laughs> well, there are a lot of really cool people in the movie. Um, you already mentioned Jennifer Saunders, Richard E. Grant, Roger Moore, Meatloaf, uh, Alan Cumming. I'm, Elvis Costello and Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a lot. Elton John is in it. Stephen, Stephen Fry. Fry. Mm -hmm. Hugh Laurie is in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, Kevin McNally's in it. Yeah. Oh, who's the guy from Cheers? Um, George Went. Yeah. So a lot of really cool people. But the basic story is Kevin McNally and George Went play screenwriters who are trying to appeal to the Spice Girls manager, who's played by Richard E. Grant, uh, who, who is I actually think a lot of fun in it. And he's pitching them uh, like script ideas. So the 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 story i mean the basic narrative's kind of chaotic because we're seeing the spice girls as they prepare to do like a big sold out show i believe at like albert hall or something yes and then within that they're also we're seeing 
the screenwriters pitch different stories and then we see the Spice Girls act out those stories. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end, it coalesces with their actual, like what we've been watching is one of the script ideas of the screenwriters. And then it ends with that. So it's kind of chaotic. There's a visitation of uh, aliens uh, when the girls try to pee all together at the same time in the woods because their bus toilets aren't functioning. So it's, um, yeah, it's a lot. I'm trying to find my notes. I just, uh, hold, please. I don't know what I just did. I can't find them. This is a strategy. Hold on. Here we go. Uh, so I'm just going to go through. Um, so I think from a, like, from a marketing standpoint, I think the movie makes a lot of sense because their first album had like, was a huge hit. People were waiting for their second album. Then they make this movie and then, the lead single off their second album finishes this movie and this movie was a hit it made a hundred million dollars so i think it makes a lot of sense i think when you think about other pop artists who like their first movies i would say this one feels like it sits nicely in the middle things that i think are kind of embarrassing are like crossroads oh yeah uh burlesque burlesque is bad yeah and then i think things that or on the higher end would be like Mahogany with Diana Ross. Sure. Of course, Cher's Man Who Fell to film Earth. career. Man Who Fell to Earth. With David Bowie. Well, Cher, Cher, Cher was rocky at first. Chastity's terrible, but... Yeah, yeah, true. Well, but, you know, she was able to trans... I mean, I think she's equal parts actor and musician. Yes, I think yeah. she had a hard time at first. They didn't take her seriously. And then I think, like, you could go the route of, like, you know, Janet Jackson and Poetic Justice... Uh, which I think is an okay movie. I don't think it's embarrassing. I think The Bodyguard with Whitney Houston is... Okay. It's okay. Kevin Costner is like... so dull in that. And I, but, but I think it was smart for Whitney to play a character that seems close to her persona. Sure. So this one sits nicely in the middle. Like, it makes sense. Um, again, like as referenced, The Beatles, A Hard Day's Night, uh, who the Spice Girls were touted as the most... A significant British breakout since musical sensation since the Beatles, but they're really a lot much more like the Monkees, who are also a manufactured group. Well, let's talk about that because I think this, you know, I don't think anyone would be surprised that I would say that individually, none of the Spice Girls seem that musically talented that they could have like a big career on their own. Yeah, they, I, I feel like none of them would have been like discovered as solo artists. Well, some some fare better than others. Like I think Emma Bunton. Uh, I think of the five, Emma Bunton is the most. And Mel B, maybe Mel C. I don't mind either, but uh, I don't think any of those people really could have been solo artists. I don't know. Jerry tried. Yeah, I mean, Jerry has a song I like. Emma has a song I like, but we're not talking about what they ended up becoming because they made the most of their Spice Girls opportunity. I'm saying that I think these five people are not talented performers who probably could have would have gotten solo deals prior to spice girls so to bring them together and to create this body of work their first album and for, to have it become like a sensation is really cool for them and i think in the film they're playing they're playing their character mm-hmm. hard yes and i think what because the writing of this movie there is 
quite a bit of it that I think is humorous. It doesn't take itself seriously at all. It seems very self-aware of how ridiculous their celebrity it's, it's, is. It has moments of that remind me of like naked gun vibes. Yes. What I wish it would have been is that it, it could have been the exact same story, except that each of the Spice Girls, they're the opposite of their actual persona. I think that would have really sent it. Because there was actually a moment where they're all complaining about why does everyone think that you know we're not this character mm -hmm. and then they're doing the things like that would would have required Victoria Beckham to be nice or sweet, which I don't I think, think she's capable of. Yeah, she's probably the. I mean, she's definitely the crunchiest one. She is a precursor to the Kardashians. I feel like. like yeah. Why are we looking at this woman who, even when she smiles, seems miserable? And she's not that. Like when she walks, she has this. It's funny that she's called Spice because or posh because I think she looks kind of trashy. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, not as trash. Jerry's hair is makes her it ages her like a decade one of my notes is that ginger's hair is a nightmare it's terrible it's a literal nightmare and i kept thinking it looks like a crab talking about catfishing and taking too long to get ready you know if you compare mel c to jerry like if you know if their call time was mm -hmm. 8 a.m it's like mel would probably be ready by 8 15 mm -hmm. and jerry would still be in that chair at 10 o'clock mm -hmm. <laughs> That the hair looks like crab legs because they have the the blonde out in the front. Oh God, the color red. and then the extensions. But so just going through my notes, the first time we see them singing, it sounds like they're singing live, which I did appreciate. I also appreciate that they never tried to make it seem like they could actually sing very well. Like or we, the choreography was. Yeah, we kind of get what they can give, mm -hmm. which is not a lot, but you know. People liked it. I was also so Alan Cumming is in the movie, mm -hmm. and I thought he was kind of cute. He's okay. He plays a documentarian. I thought that character seemed I, it, it, it just grows, added to the chaos. It grows a bit old. It does. Um, so the tour bus they're driving around in the inside of it. You know, the joke is that the inside looks like a spaceship. It's yeah. huge, but it's just a normal sized bus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Um, I thought. Again, for 1997, this girl group that's super popular, I feel like the fans of the Spice Girls back then probably really liked this movie. Well, they were children. Because they got to see, there's a moment when all of the girls switch personas, mm -hmm. like Emma Bunton becomes Mel B or whatever. Uh, it really did feel like they wrote it for the fans, which I appreciate. Which were, again, were children. But, then I there's mean, a moment when all of the girls have to use the bathroom and all the toilets on the bus are broken because Meatloaf doesn't want to fix them. Yeah, Meatloaf is the bus driver. <laughs> so, they, so they're so they like, pull the bus over in the middle of the woods and they all run out and run deep into the right, woods. Like together, together. holding hands. Like, like, I if thought y'all had to, to pee. Yeah, if you have to pee, just take a pop a squat, bitch. But they all run out to deep into the woods and then there's an, a UFO encounter and the aliens in the UFO are so creepy. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was funny. It was amusing. A passing trifle. Um, then there's another scene where the girls, they, like some kids win a contest to hang out with the Spice Girls for a day and the Spice Girls are so tired of being chased by paparazzi that they just want to get away. So they like escape from the bus and get on a boat. <laughs> which and, also is chaos and then the boat yeah, it's chaos and the boat's being followed by the Alan do, the, the documentarian and there's a moment where 
all of the kids fall off the boat and the posh. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. It's and so then funny. by final notice, someone says the line, the headless chicken only knows where he has been. Roger he can, Moore. He cannot see where he is going. And I thought that was so stupid, but yes. funny. Roger Moore, who has a different animal he's feeding in each scene. In every scene. Because he's, he's like um, behind the scene. He's the chief that's controlling everything. We only have three minutes that left. That Richard E. Grant contributes to. Oh, quickly, Jim Simpson, Sigourney Weaver's husband, was the assistant director on this movie. Yes. What would you give this film? One and a half. I would give it two out of five. I don't think it's a good movie, but I think if you're a Spice Girls fan, it's great. Um, You know, the hardest part of the movie for me is the music. I mean, you know. Because I don't love it. I was, they were, that was my first CD I ever bought in sixth grade. And Wannabe, I would have on repeat in my mother's car and she'd be like, Okay, this is the last time we're listening to this today. I do think some of the songs are catchy. Oh, there is a scene where, uh, because pretty much their entire catalog is featured in the film, <laughs> but there's a there's a moment, they have a song that I can't recall. With the assless chaps? No, it's where they are, oh, who do you think you are? The Morales Club mix. There's a, there's a scene where they're in like a club, like a futuristic looking club, and that song's playing. I thought that was fun um of course spice up your life Mm -hmm. that's a fun song um but no that one song with the dancers with the assless chaps i I don't think i'd heard of that i never heard that song and i did not care for that at all well it has very limited lyrics (laughs) yeah it's not very catchy but yeah uh if it's not available streaming our friend had to bring the disc to the house so i i mean (laughs) i i guess if you have easy access to it you've never seen it you know i don't see myself watching this ever again uh, um it, it did make me want to add a couple of spice girl songs to my like gym playlist sure it made me realize i also never watched josie and the pussycats anyhow we have one minute left oh. uh this week is like christmas week uh-huh. to prepare for the weekend yeah we have probably a handful of things to still watch uh we need to finish white lotus season two. Oh my god i can't wait yeah um and we have a couple of videos dropping. Mm-hmm. I know the Whitney I Want to Dance with Somebody review comes out tomorrow. We have a couple release Pale Blue Eye we have to watch. Oh, we have to watch the Pale Blue Eye or whatever. Okay. That's all I have. Are you reading anything? Uh, Goodbye, Aunt Elva by Elizabeth Fenwick, which Robert Aldrich was going to make into a horror hag movie at one point. And then I also finished a short story collection of Dennis Cooper's and Kindred. Mm. All right. Do you have anything else? Mm, I see Megan tomorrow. Oh, that's right. You get to see Megan Mm because you're writing a feature for Spin. Mm -hmm. But I have to wait until January to Mm -hmm. watch it. I hope it's good. The trailer's funny. All right. Ta-ta for now. Mm -hmm.